and the chair of pediatric neurosurgery was one of our storytellers for the night. Someone had suggested I call him. He raps, did some rap on the side and has a, was a DJ and was, is, is a pretty funny guy. And someone said, why don't you call Tim George? I bet he would do this. And I thought, no way. He's the chair of pediatric neurosurgery at the med school. When's he going to have time for this? So I text him and he texted me back within a minute and said, absolutely, when? And before I knew it, he was in my office. We were having a conversation about the story he wanted to tell. And all he told me was that he wanted to tell about a really difficult moment he had many years ago. Welcome back to the High Impact Physician Podcast. I am so excited for this episode today. Sandy is talking with Reverend Krista Gregory, who is the founder for the Center of Resiliency at Dell Children's Medical Center of Central Texas. This episode is so awesome. I just want to stop talking and let you listen to it. Sandy and Chris start the conversation by talking about why trust and collegiality during the time of COVID-19 are going to help us break down silos and address this pandemic together. Also, Krista has this really, really cool event. It's a new take on Eminem. It's Mortals and Medicine. I'm just going to go ahead and stop talking so we can get into the episode. Um, I'd love to hear a bit more about you and really how you got to where you are. Okay. Well, I have been in healthcare over 25 years. I was the daughter of a surgeon. So I grew up going, making rounds with my father in the hospital when I was little, especially on Sunday mornings before we'd go to church. And as I got older, I also experienced the healthcare, healthcare as a person at the bedside of family members that were experiencing challenges of their own. My father, to be one, had a stroke when I was a young, young girl. And so I was at the bedside with him. Uh, for about 30 years after his stroke that he had when he was 50. And then as I got older, I, it was a natural consideration that healthcare might be a field I would enjoy, but I went into ministry instead. And while I was doing that, felt a draw to healthcare to experience that side of it and decided to stay. And I've been in healthcare ever since. I started my career in ministry as a hospital chaplain and never left. I liked being in a culture where I could be with people from all walks of life, all different experiences, all different cultures, both ethnically and racially, but also the nurse culture, the doctor culture, the social work culture, all the cultures we have within healthcare that make it so complex and intriguing and exciting. So I enjoyed it from the very beginning and I've never left. Okay, this is going to be interesting, and I don't want to do a spoiler alert, but you are hands down one of the most creative, innovative, breakdown silos, rock forward, pioneer new things. So I'm just struck that <laughs> that you've somehow used ministry and healthcare as a way to pioneer some really amazing things. We'll get into that in a moment, but <laughs> great background, right? Awesome. Thank you. So I'm wondering, um, there's a lot going on with COVID-19 right now. And even before that, there's been a bit coming out in the literature around some of the challenges that physicians and other providers are having. Talk to us a little bit about from where you sit, what you've seen as some of the challenges providers are facing. Well, particularly physicians and, and bedside folks in that we're so used to basing our decisions on data and research and studies and, and to be in this time of changing healthcare where that information changes within five minutes. 
I think that um, makes it's unnerving for people. They they struggle to trust each other. They struggle struggle to touch, trust the information that we have, and to base decisions that they're making for their patients on information that's so fluid. I, I think that's one of the biggest parts that we're dealing with right now, and I think that's what makes it very frightening when you've always done your work in a very different manner, and now you really are making decisions on the fly. And that while while we're trained in healthcare to make critical decisions as each moment arises, never has there been a moment quite like this. Yeah, when I talk to physicians that talk about their medical training and just the whole cadence of how to gather data, like you said, how to look at the research, even when I think of telehealth, um, I know that some people have said there just isn't a lot of literature yet or research yet to prove it, and yet people are being asked to jump into that. So this rate of change is just phenomenal. Talk to us a little bit about, as you think about these challenges, um, what is the worst part of that, either for the individual provider, their team, or organization? I think it's the, it's the mistrust. I, I think we just have to back up and do the right thing. I really do. I, I think there are times when we just have to remind ourselves of the relationships we've established, the, the collegiality we have with the people around us, and we have to assume the best intent assume that we really are trying to do the right thing with the information that we have, even as that information is changing. Because without that, without being able to work together to find creative solutions, we really are siloed. And to face a pandemic as a community, we have to work together. Mm-hmm. So I think that the sense of, a sense of trust. So I, I think that's what I've seen the most in some of our physicians when it's, when it's not going well, it's, they're not trusting each other. They're not trusting that the answers that we're getting are going to be helpful. And yet in moments like this, we just have to choose to do the next right thing. It's how we counsel our, counsel our families and our patients. We give right. them the information that we have. It's all we have in that moment. We help them make the best decision they can make in the moment with that information, knowing that three weeks from now, three months from now, it might be different. We might have more knowledge. We might have more information. We might have more studies that have been released. But at this point, this is what we know. So if we do this with our patients and families, I I think we need to take our own advice and do that with ourselves. Work with the information we have in the moment. Trust each other to take the next steps with with collegiality and assumption of the best intent. Boy, and isn't that one thing to practice trusting each other when everything's going right and it just is like a wake-up call to practice that when, when we're entering this whole new environment. I love the way you said, do the right thing, be collegial, um, be trusting. Um, I want to move into um, some very innovative and creative ways that you have been doing that. Um, I got a kick out of one of our previous conversations when you mentioned M&M, and I was like, oh, I know what that is. That's like that morbidity, mortality thing hospitals do with residential training programs. Mm-hmm. You're like, uh, no, we do something different. So talk to us a little <laughs> bit about ways that you've helped um, deepen trust and deepen that collegiality with your M&M program. Sure. We, we do still have mortals, uh, mor- morbidity and mortality in our hospital, just like any other hospital in the, in the country. Uh, but we decided to create something different that also has this acronym. But instead of morbidity, morbidity and mortality, we call it Mortals in Medicine. Because just mm-hmm. like morbidity and mortality conferences, these are also conferences or moments when we communicate the real truth 
behind closed doors with just healthcare providers. We get very authentic about what this is like for us to do the work that we do and stay human. The tagline for the center that we have at Dale Children's is healing people staying human. I mean, we heal people in our work. That's an assumption, of course, in a, in a very large, grandiose way of saying it, but we do. We provide healing in people's lives to be healthcare professionals. But this idea of staying human in the midst of that is also so important. And Mortals in Medicine is a place where a bunch of humans get together, we all happen to be in healthcare, and we tell the real stories that we tell amongst ourselves to an audience of people that really understand us without us having to explain why we think the way we do, why we have the humor that we have, why we see life the way we do because of the th- types of things we've experienced. Okay, so I heard a rumor that you host these in some pretty creative places. Tell us a bit more about where and kind of the vibe of, of where these happen. Sure. We, someone asked me why we don't do them at the, at the auditorium at the hospital. I said, are you kidding me? Who wants to go to that? <laughs> so uh, we, we, the first one we held was at a place called Brewtorium. So it was a brew pub. Um, we grew out of that space within uh, two, two sessions and had to move over to a, another place that is a, is a, a, a bar near the, the college campus in our, in our community. And it's a pretty smoky looking room without any smoke, but it has that vibe to it. Pretty hip and fun. And there's a bar in the back and food trucks outside and a stage up front with a microphone. And that's about it. And people come in droves. They want to have community. They want to be with people that get them. They want to know that they're not alone in the experiences that they're having. And they want to talk about it in a very real, unfiltered way. We couldn't do that on the hospital campus. So we don't. So we take it offside, offline. And it's, uh, it, we attract people from all across the area where we live, not just our own hospital community, but all healthcare providers in the entire region of Central Texas where we live are invited and come. And it's one of the only times when it's crossing the lines of, of your particular affiliation with work. So I appreciate that. There's no competition in that room. We're just there as a bunch of humans having real conversations about the challenges of this work and how it rips you up one side and down the other and how it challenges how you see the world. And people crave those kind of experiences. And so that's what we created as an environment for that. I love it. I'm imagining that um, your pastoral and ministry training probably creates a vibe where people feel like they've been in a church service or have some kind of that (laughs) experience of community, deep connection, meaning tell us a story or or give us an example. Yeah. Yeah, So I will say this first, somebody said to me, this feels kind of like church. And I said, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, right. (laughs) Because most people don't realize my ministerial background. For some, that would be a turnoff and and, uh, uh, confusing for them. But I just want to meet people where they are and be honest and real about what we're all experiencing together. So one of our our most recent Mortals in Medicine um, was a few months ago, and the chair of pediatric neurosurgery was one of our storytellers for the night. Someone had suggested I call him. He raps, did some rap on the side, and has has a DJ, and was is, is a pretty funny guy. And someone said, why don't you call Tim George? I bet he would do this. And I thought, no way. He's the chair of pediatric neurosurgery at the med school. When's he going to have time for this? So I text him and he texted me back within a minute and said, absolutely. When? 
And before I knew it, he was in my office. We were having a conversation about the story he wanted to tell. And all he told me was that he wanted to tell about a really difficult moment he had many years ago um, in, as a tenured professor at a different university than where he is now. And, and that was it. He didn't give me much more than that. The night of Mortals and Medicine, he got up and began telling the story of a time when he did a surgery on a child. He's a pediatric neurosurgeon. And he said, I got cocky. He said, I got cocky and I killed a kid. And though you could have heard a pin drop, the room just got quiet. And we thought, where is this going? What? And he talked about operating on this child with a benign tumor. It was a surgery that was not required, but requested by this family and suggested by him. And he went to take the final piece um, of the tumor out of this, this little girl's head. And as he did, her brain began to bleed. And he described in detail what happened after that medically. Of course, we're all medical professionals in the room, so he described it very vividly. And she died on the table. After that experience, he began to describe what happened next. He said, I, I was done. I said, I'm leaving medicine. I, will, I, I always said, if I ever got cocky, if that ever happened, if I ever had attitude, I would leave because I had no business to stay in medicine. So he said he spent the next week canceling all of his surgeries and preparing for closing up and finding something else to do, becoming a professional DJ. He didn't know. But instead, he just you know, kind of went through the motions the next week at, at the hospital and didn't operate. And one day he was walking up to the hospital and looked off in the distance at the front door of the hospital and saw a woman walking out. Didn't recognize her at first from the distance, but as he got closer, he realized it was this little girl's mother. When he realized it was her, he said, I, I ducked thinking, I got to hide behind the cars and the parking lot. Or I cannot see this woman. I cannot. It was my fault. I made the mistake and her child died. But he said, I couldn't avoid her. She saw me. I saw her. I approached her. And the first thing she did was open up her arms and give me a big hug. And he said, then she began describing for me everything I had been thinking for the last week and a half. She said to me, I bet you think it's your fault. She said, I bet you think you killed my daughter. She said, I bet you are planning on leaving medicine because you think you can never operate again after what's happened. And then she began to tell me what it meant to her daughter to have me be her doctor. How her daughter said if she died on Dr. George's table, that was what was supposed to happen and that she would be fine with that. How she would never want you to leave medicine. How you were one of the greatest men she'd ever known. And the mother looked him in the eye and she said, I forgive you. I forgive you, Dr. George. And he said, at that moment, I realized that medicine was about way more than skill. It was about way more than, than knowledge and expertise and years of training. It was about faith, hope, and love. I mean, he quoted scripture, which I was, I was not expecting that for sure. I just, you know, I'm crying right now. <laughs> yeah, it was about the faith that we could believe that we can actually operate on a child's brain, for one. The hope that we have that we can make a difference in someone's life can be different and changed. And then the love that we exchange with the people that we take care of. I was like, what? And he said, in that moment, I knew that I had to stay and I knew that I would never be the same. And I knew that that was the gift that this mother gave to me. Well, this gentleman telling his story that night at Mortals and Medicine, many went on after that encounter with that mother and had many, many years of being one of the top pediatric neurosurgeons in the country. 
what I shared with you, Sandy, a couple of weeks ago was about five days after that night of Mortals of Medicine, uh, Dr. George passed away suddenly from an unexpected heart attack. And when I called his wife to offer my condolences to her and check on her, she said, oh, you're that woman that did that Mortals of Medicine thing. She said, do you know, that was very, very important to Tim. He wanted to be real. He wanted to be authentic. He wanted his legacy to be that people knew that he was a human and that we should all be humans in the work we do and that we should all approach it from that perspective. And he, he had a chance to do that. And it just brought to home for me and everybody else that was there that night, how important it is that we, we come to each other, not in our roles, but we come to each other as people. Uh, I, I had a resident years ago who was talking to me about the expectations we have for physicians. And she said to me, she's Krista, we're just people. We're just people. Like, no. And that's what Dr. George did, us for that, did for us that night. He reminded us we're just people. And as people, we have challenges and we make mistakes and we hurt and we get scared. My goodness, this COVID time is a perfect example of that. It doesn't matter how many degrees. You're just as scared as everybody else. I mean, it is what it is. We're in a pandemic and we don't know what's happening. We don't know how long it's last. It's going to last and we don't know who's going to get it. I'm scared. You're scared. Doesn't matter if you're a physician or not. And I think we have to remind ourselves in times like this. And I think the, the answer to the, to the challenges we have in medicine today and the brokenness of our culture is to meet each other as people, is to come together outside of our roles as people and be reminded of the challenges that we face. We're so good in healthcare at compartmentalizing parts of ourselves, you know, compartmentalizing our emotions or compartmentalizing our, our, what we consider to be our weaknesses when that's our greatest strength. It was his greatest strength that day when he met that mom in the parking lot was to meet her as a human and she met him as a human and together they had a bond that had nothing to do with his skill. It had to do with them being humans together on a journey that was very scary and very hard and very painful, but involved faith, hope, and love. And she shared that with him and healed him in that moment. And I think he offered healing to us that night when he shared his story. So yes, we're doing some creative things in Austin, but it's not that different than what we should all be doing in the work that we do in our lives. It's just keeping it real and telling the real stories and 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 being honest about what that looks like. Yes. I'm so struck by so many paradoxes. And first of all, thank you for sharing that incredibly intimate story. And I'm so struck by your observations that we live our lives in compartments. And yet, whether it's a smoky room or a parking lot, these are the places that we can come forward with faith, hope, and love and come forward as humans. That's just powerful on so many levels. And for all the ways that we're trying to practice connection, community meeting, I love the way you just rip the mystery right off of it and put it back in its place of ordinary moments with ordinary people and ordinary conversations that can just be healing and, um, and reconnect us to our purpose and our meeting with each other. So good. Sure. And, and I tell the audiences at Mortals of Medicine that it's not just about the storyteller that is needing to be heard that day, but it's about the audience giving them that gift of being heard. 
so many of us have these stories that we tell and there aren't a lot of people that can listen to them. Our families sure, sure struggle with the depth of pain that we experience and trauma that we experience in our world. But the audience gives that gift to the, to the storyteller to say, you have value to me too. And I hear you and I'm nodding along with you. Yeah, me too. I feel that way too. Mm-hmm. Um, that connection that we, it's, it's a mutual exchange. You're not just an audience member that's, that's passive. You're mutually exchanging this sense of connection that is powerful on both sides. So good. So I, I know you have another really amazing and innovative program, but I want to hang with this Mortals in Medicine a little bit. Talk to us a little bit about if there was someone, an individual or an organization out there that wanted to experiment with this idea, what, what, what would you advise? I hope you enjoyed this episode. For part two of Sandy and Krista Gregory's conversation, check out part two. Hope you have a great rest of your day.